0: is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Iwana. I'm Ross. You know who you are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. If this is your first podcast, you picked a very special one. Because not only am I joined by Matt Markins and Mike Handler, um, two people who, let's be honest, guys, if it was just you on the podcast, I'd be very happy. Um, But I'm also joined uh, by Phil and Diane Colbert. Phil and Diane, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. We are very honored to be with you guys. And we've already been having some fun chatting away
2: here.
0: Yes. The podcast that's, uh, that doesn't get aired is sometimes just as impactful as the one that does. (laughs) Um, I want to start, you know, I'm very familiar with your work. Those of us here, uh, and odds are most people are familiar with you, with you guys, but for those who don't know, what is your ministry? What does the scope of that look like?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's called intentional parents international and it came out of our church. So in, uh, you know, we've been married 43 years, and I've been in Diane's been with me in ministry together for 43 years, and uh, that whole time. And I was a pastor for two years before that, and um, and so in the local church, I've been a worship guy, but also did some teaching. But we were first generation Christians, so it was our personal passion that the greatest thing we could ever do would be to see our kids grow up to follow the way of Jesus. So that was a passion of ours personally. We never thought we'd be leading a ministry, helping parents do that. So fast forward many years to 2004, uh, when our, our oldest son, John Mark, was 23 and I was 53. And this is a long story. We ended up planting a church together in Portland. And God answered the prayers of saints that had gone before praying for Portland, one of the most liberal cities in the country. And there was a move of God. Mm. And it ended up being multi-generational. We had half the church was over 30, half was under 30. And John started this thing on Friday nights called The Way. He had a vision of a thousand 18 to 28 year olds passionately worshiping Jesus, teaching the scriptures and um, taking communion together. And so this influenced the church and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And we got to where we had like five services on a Sunday and a thousand wow. people coming on Friday night. And after about five years of that, they were getting married. These 18- to 28-year-olds were getting married and having their first baby. Sure. And uh, when I was turning 60 and Jamar was turning 30, you know, he's first born out of the gate, visionary. He, You know, I, I said at some point, you know, by the time I'm 70 or maybe 65, i wouldn't to be looking for somebody to take this because of my age. But why would I do that when Jamarque is here? <laughs> and so I ended the lead role to him. And it was, it was kind of strange because I wasn't ready to stop doing ministry, but we had this conversation like, what, what's dad going to do? And mm-hmm. John Mark really birthed this ministry. I'm going someplace with this. So our son said, mom and dad, you need to teach on parenting mm-hmm. because none of my friends grew up in a home where real discipleship was happening. So mm-hmm. honestly, we looked at each other like Diane had taught something called hearts on fire to about 60 young moms uh, when the church was young and Jamark was taking notes and running sound for her. So she, she finished that. And she said, I'll never do this again unless you do it with me because we have to reach fathers. And so we looked at each other. We go, we've taught together before. Right. And we realized, no, we never have. And so it was a quite a learning curve for us. We got into arguments and there was spiritual warfare. I mean, we were being opposed by some group of demons in portland because this is such an important message god wants mothers and fathers to raise their kids in the way of jesus long story short we finally came up with a conference and to our shock there were so many people wanted to come we had to turn people away we had to do it again and 400 more people came there was such a hunger that we realized hey i think we're called to do this that's a story behind it it came out of a move of god in a church a move of god among young parents and interesting Thinking that's mostly who follows our ministry, and when you're older as we are, that's really a joy. And Awana was hugely influential in our kids mm-hmm. and our love for the scriptures, uh, because everything we do is just rooted. I mean, when we put this conference together, it was just like, What's the Bible say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and how can we bring biblical hope and practical help to parents? So, anyway, totally. that's what
3: And even more, it came out of our story as first-generation Christians, not raised in Christian homes. And we looked around at people around us, and it just seemed like everybody in the church just seemed to know what to do. Well, of course, Mm -hmm. we realized that wasn't really true. (laughs) But that set us on a quest from the minute our firstborn was born to just search the scriptures, because nobody seemed to be, they could tell us concepts and principles, but But when it came down to practical, what what is biblical discipline? What does it look like? Is that different than punishment? And so we spent really the better part of our lives just diving into the scriptures through the lens of first-generation parents wanting to not only pass knowledge about our faith to our children, but as first-generation Christians, we were afraid, we understand how awful and how... um, empty the world's way of thinking is and we did not want that for our kids so yeah
0: well yeah just thank you guys for your work you know you don't need to hear that from a random 30 year old dude from chicago but just know like one of the things that is so impactful to me about what you guys have done is it started from that passion and it started from that place of humility because i think so often when it comes to parenting, it's the source of my greatest insecurity, right? It's the source of many parents' greatest insecurity. So it is not surprising to have something flourish because people here feel like they can come with those questions. They can come with that baggage. They can come, uh, not knowing what to do. And that community begins to help shape them. You're going to say something, but I wanted to at least respond to that.
1: Yeah,
4: Yeah, no, I, I, one of the things that I valued about your book. And if, if for those of you who are out there and haven't read, uh, the book, uh, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers by Phil and Diane. You, you really should pick it up. Uh, they didn't come on here so that they could sell books, but uh, <laughs> being somebody who, who has read it and who enjoyed it thoroughly and has a notebook full of notes from it, uh, it is an invaluable resource. That being said, as you guys talk about being first-generation believers, um, so oftentimes what we're finding are that the parents who are bringing kids to Awana perhaps at one point walked away from active church participation Mm -hmm. and are now feeling the, 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 maybe uh, some sort of stress or pressure, whether assigned by themselves or assigned by all their family members to get their kids in church, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Maybe it's a cultural pressure, maybe whatever it is there, there's this kind of, Oh, I should return to these things as, as you have coached and, and walked with many young parents through the, that kind of first generation, right? The first generation experiences God, as you guys wrote about Uh, the second generation knows God, but maybe doesn't experience him. And by the time you get to that third generation, oftentimes the knowledge and experience are gone. Uh, You, you talk about this, you bring this up in terms of even like how Israel went about things and, and things of that nature. How should that young parent, who's feeling the pressure to get their kid back in church or instill these things that they feel might be far beyond their expertise. How should they go about even kind of reintroducing uh, Christian principles? I mean, truth and doctrine back into their lives so that their young children like Ross here, who's, you know, kids are six and uh, six and two, six and three. Two. Yeah. How, how can, how can parents kind of, re-engage in a faith that maybe they, quote unquote, took a break from or <laughs> walked away from for a little bit.
1: Well, um, Ross, you're not some random dude from Chicago. So we're, we're blessed that God's used our ministry in your life. And he's going to use you in our life now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think it starts you know, your question. My answer to that is, is this, that's the second step. Hmm. How do I get my kids back in church? The first is for the parents, so that's why our ministry is intentional parents beca- international because you can't pass on what you don't possess. So when we get to the end of our conference and our, we just, we just filmed it. It's, it, it's on, it's in film now, but one of the things we say is, is in, in all humility, are you a passionate Jesus follower? Mm-hmm. If not, what is it in your life that needs to go? Because usually there's other gods that are there, you know, mm-hmm. and things that, need to be cleansed in the heart and in the home and then once mom and dad are truly walking with god like the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart and then there'll be this inner desire to bring my kids along the way so it's not like just okay you know but this does happen having kids is so beautiful because it does make parents suddenly look at this miracle that that they've been God. And then they suddenly start asking them these deeper questions, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That desire to get them into church is good. But the first thing, I guess, to answer your question, first thing I'd say is to the mother or father, like, man, have you just really discovered the joy of experiencing Mm -hmm. Jesus? I mean, really walking with him and seeing him lead and guide and and are you in the scriptures daily and then when that starts happening then you can then pass it on to your children so like diane says we want the parents to be the heroes right yes
3: yeah so we're trying to produce this year especially some materials for parents to be able to not read somebody else's book to their kids but actually lead their kids in an understanding of who god is Mm by by the use of his names, because the names describes his his essence. So that's coming really soon. But you know, the story, my story of coming to faith started with my parents who had at one point had some sort of an association with a faith, didn't raise us that way. But when we were in high school, for reasons I don't even know, they're with the Lord now, um, decided, hey, our kids don't know Jesus. And we're not sure we really do either. Let's go find a church. Yeah. yeah. So they, you know, packed up all five of us, three kids, five of us in the family, and started visiting all these different churches with no real criteria, just waiting to see what was the one. We stumbled upon a church, which is actually the church where Phil and I met years mm-hmm. later. Um, but I was in high school by this time, and it, and heard the gospel for the very first time. My parents knew the gospel, but weren't following Jesus and could not have explained it to me. So, So that's a good way of bringing your family is all of you get in the car together and instead of sending your kids to church, all of you getting into a church together that that is meets all of your needs is able to speak to children as well as to adults and honestly within just a couple of years our family was completely
1: transformed just this move of god and you know it was in and so she she didn't stumble into some dead church so i I've always <laughs> tell people you know the first thing are they talking about jesus and are they yeah. saying turn in your bibles too you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
5: Ah. So we find that a lot of parents, even parents who may be in the word and, and they're they're trying to orient their heart toward Jesus daily uh, and to love him and worship him, we still find that parents uh, can sometimes have this sense of being a little intimidated, sure. talking to their kids. So w- what one practical thing would you give that parent? How would you encourage that parent to to get started and somehow taking steps toward discipling their child or sharing their faith experience with their child? What would you say to that parent?
1: Yeah, I I would say uh, don't don't overthink it and think you have to come up with some big, intricate program. Most parents think I'm blowing it as a dad and blowing it as a mom, you know, and Satan loves to shoot that into the He does. Shoots it into the mind of any father who steps out in that direction. There's going to be some opposition when her father tried to do family devotions the first time they were all laughing at him. And, you know, it was hard, man. It was like, (laughs) they were (laughs) off. I like to tell parents, look, you need to realize you, Diane, I steal from my wife. She says you parent out of relationship. Mm -hmm. No one has more influence over your son or daughter than you. And they never will. And you, you have a relationship with them. And, of course, like marriage, every relationship takes time and tending to it. But once once you stay close to your kids and you love them, and, and this is where, you know, <laughs> I like to say God is using you to shape your kids. He's also using your kids to shape you, right? Yeah. People like, I get so angry, I lost my temper. And you kneel down to that two-year-old and you say, Hey, daddy, daddy was angry and and I, that was that was actually sin. I asked God to forgive me for yelling at you. Will you forgive me too? And the two-year-old goes like but whatever, sure. You know, yeah. you're modeling that you live. Were you
0: under- in my house this morning, Phil? That <laughs> happens today.
1: that is so powerful because you're showing your kids that you live under the authority of God and you're just they're they're gonna they're gonna watch you. And they are going to copy you and sure they're going to pick up some of your faults too. You know, it's painful to see your faults walking around on little legs, right? That's a joke that we cracked, but, mm-hmm, but yeah. they're going to see the good things too. And so, and then I, there's just so many ways you can do it. You can take a three by five card with one short verse that you got from Iwana and you just, you just say to a father, Hey, start passing it around the dinner table while you talk about whatever, you know, have a soccer game today, you know, Hey, let's memorize this verse. You know, you read it, you know, sweetheart. And then, and, and then, You can do that. Um, As soon as our kids could read, they'd already been getting up for years, crawling up in Diane's lap in this big green chair that we destroyed. And she's got her pot of tea, she's got her Bible, and they're leaning their head on her shoulder with the teddy bear. And they're they're experiencing this. And as soon as they can read, we just say, "Okay, now you're going to go do what you've been watching mom do. And then you guide them and you make it really simple. And you say, "Okay, I want you to read, you know, Psalm one and tell me one thing about God, or, or, or if you don't understand it, come talk to me. So, I mean, I just think we overthink it. And when you do that, that's why Deuteronomy six says, when you rise up, when you walk by the way, when you drive in your car, when you lie down, it's an ongoing conversation. And if mom and dad are truly walking with the Lord, it just comes into everyday life, you know?
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: We, you know, so many so, stories like
0: So this might not be the most dignified way to ask the question, but I'm actually, I'm curious to respond from all four of you, because I think if someone's listening to this and they are that intimidated parent, one of the things that they're intimidated by is this understanding that they are the primary influence. They may not use that language, but they get that they're the primary influence on their kids, but this fear of not knowing how to do it. And I love sort of lowering the bar of entry to make that more accessible, but all four of you have done the thing right? All four of you are raising disciples. And in your guys's case, you are raising disciples who are now raising disciples uh-huh. and we're all human. We all fall short. So I'm curious when there is this temptation to follow, we'll say messages from outside of, uh, outside forces where uh-huh. it's things like the joke I always use is if you're a practitioner listening to this, It's filling the snack cabinet before you're working on the primary discipleship of that particular weekend. And I'm curious for all of you as parents or for you guys, as you listen to parents, how do you get back on track when you have felt like pulled away from the primary thing being the primary thing? What are the things that God says to you or the practices that help you get refocused on discipleship being the most important thing you can do with your kids? I think number one, it
3: has to do with, with, the practice of getting up earlier in the morning and spending time in the word of god mm-hmm. and as you're spending time in the word of god and you're doing it as a mom or you're doing it as a dad for those shoes not as a preacher thinking of how you're going to teach it but as a mom thinking i want this for my children or is it dad thinking i need to make sure i'm developing some of this in my children
0: thanks for listening
2: we'll be right back
0: research is clear Parents hold the most significant influence in a child's development. That's why Awana developed TalkAbout. TalkAbout delivers child discipleship through simple discussions and family fun, forming lasting faith one conversation at a time. With your family's monthly subscription, you'll receive an email each week containing your talk about bundle, including guided conversations through suggested scripture passages, which allow families to engage in the Bible and answer big questions with the truth of God's word. You'll also get fun hands-on activities to take the guesswork out of child discipleship. Kids will color, create, sing, and share, and kids will remember and reinforce what they've learned throughout the week. It's the everyday moments of life that can become moments that make an eternal difference. These are the moments Talk About was created for. Bring the gospel home and help your kids form lasting faith, one conversation at a time. Try one month of TalkAbout for free with this special promo code exclusive for our podcast listeners. Resilient. That's resilient for one month of TalkAbout for free. Get started today at Talk About Discipleship.
3: Then all of a sudden the Bible just comes alive for you as a parent, as as a disciple maker. And you're thinking, oh, I I just discovered this. I want to pass this on to my kids because I don't think they know it either. So I think number one is the practice of a, a morning quiet time. I'm in the word when you're praying for your kids you're praying in the scripture for your kids all of a sudden it opens you and you're reading proverbs and you see all these verses about godly relationships and what it means or you're reading ephesians and you're seeing how we're to treat each other what what good communication is and then that just translates into conversation with your kids your kids start calling each other names for instance and you just <laughs> read that morning in Ephesians, no, let do not let uh, let no
1: one wholesal let no unwholesome
3: word proceed from your mouth, but only such as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. And you've memorized it with your family because you have a lot of moments that are needing edification, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And- So all of a sudden now it's become ingrained in your family culture of this is what we believe. We blow it all the time. But when we (laughs) blow it, we apologize to each other because we believe that this is the right way to love each other is with with edifying, encouraging words and and by eliminating unwholesome words towards each other. And you do that over a 10 year period of time from when they're beginning to talk and relate to each other and argue with each other. And (laughs) it becomes like, this is who God is. This is who he wants us to be. This is the way of love in our families, which then even as parents, even as adults, then changes the way we say, discuss politics, Hmm. because no unwholesome words proceeding from our mouth, only words that edify changes the way we are as people. And hopefully then changes the way they raise their children. It starts with one family and the first family, like for Phil and I, we had to break a lot of really unwholesome words out of our vocabulary because we hadn't been raised this way. We've been raised more like the rest of the world is being raised in a very antagonistic, you know, tell the truth. (laughs) (laughs) We wanted our homes to be a safe place. And the best way to make it a safe place is to align it with God's word in how we treat each other, especially.
4: Mm, that's beautiful. Wow. One of the things I value about what's even trans, uh, even available in your writing is the fact that you guys aren't afraid to use humor. You know, humor is such a, a bridge, if you will, as it relates to parenting and as it relates to passing on faith. And and I love how you guys incorporate that into even some of the practices that you have written about and, uh, certainly went into discipling your kids. Uh, tell us a little bit about that in terms of like, just how that helps that he- parent be the hero and maybe takes a little bit of the intimidation factor out of that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, for the intimidation factor. So a couple of things, if there's young parents listening to this, they need to know that, you know, no one gets to the end of the parenting journey and says, man, like, nobody did it better than i did i I didn't make any mistakes no nobody nobody feels they look back and they they marvel at the grace of god right and so when you're fearful you know uh, if a parent feels the weight of i'm the primary influence that's a good weight that Mm -hmm. weight should drive them to jesus Mm -hmm. like Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yeah. And so, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I think it's that pressure, that reality of, oh my gosh, this little boy, this little girl is a creation of God given to me by God for a time given to us by God. And so that's a good way. But then you have to, you have to ask yourself, what am I afraid of? It's usually, it's what people will think or, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I just turned to Proverbs here. It says, the fear of man is a snare, it's a trap. But he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. And so God, you know, God is just, I don't know if you take one step towards making disciples of your kids, the Holy Spirit is right there with you. fails, God is for you. He's with you. He's helping you. And so when a father and mother understands that, like, I I have not been left alone. God, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and I have the power of God with me. And this is the will of God that all would come to know him, you know? So I feel like when a parent gets the, gets that, it's, it's, it's just, it's exciting. As far as the humor part, it's just, I mean, I'm a fun, I, I when I'm, I can be a fun person. So nice. I, <laughs> I, I, I played in a, ba- in a rock band for nine years and I got saved out of all that. And I was like radically saved. I mean, I turned every, I had to turn music completely off. For probably 30 years because wow. I was addicted to music all secular music I was I'm blank slate I'm I know everything up to a certain point that I'm a blank slate and um and I was just but I'm a fun person and so I didn't want my kids to have some stiff I grew up in this mm-hmm. stiff dead church and I I just wanted life and so I don't know I I don't know I like that's why I came up with just fun stuff like the nub-nub rule right like no bible no breakfast I didn't say no bible no breakfast <laughs> you know the kids would get up and she'd be cooking and it'd smell good. And Jamar Marcus, say, I'm starving. I go, Hey, did you read your Bible yet? No, I go, Okay, no Bible, no breakfast. You know, and but I didn't say go spend an hour with God. I said, No, right. you know, take five minutes, Jamar, read Psalm one and Proverbs, Proverbs, these 10 verses. And then let's talk about it for one minute and your pancakes will be ready. You know, so, you know, so they knew about the nub nub rule, but then the exciting thing is later on, it became a habit in their life. And then pretty soon they're getting up on their own. They didn't need that anymore. Right. So I don't know. I just think the the fruit of the spirit is joy. We should be the most joyful people on Mm -hmm. planet earth. Our sins are forgiven. (laughs) We're going to be with the Lord forever. We have the best message ever given. We get to share it. We get to start with our kids. And so I think it should be fun.
3: One of Phil's highest values, really, for our family <laughs> is fun. Everything is fun. Christmas is fun. The grandkids come over here last night, night before us. Yeah. And he had lined up on the dining room table probably 10 Christmas movies for them nice. to choose, from. and they knew they were coming over. These are John mark's kids. In, they knew they were coming over to Pop's and Alma's house to have fun. So there's Christmas movies. There's great food. There's ice cream. It was important. And then, and Jesus just just woven throughout all of that.
1: But yes. in the morning, I could say, "Hey, did you read the Did you read the Bible yet?" Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Right. That, you know, Yeah. because John Mark started in them and they're, they're like, they're like, why would you ask me to read the Bible? They're like, Oh no, I haven't yet. You know? Okay. <laughs> but where are you going to yeah. read to read here? You know, I'd come back and tell me something you learned. So it's like, I'm able to now reinforce Yeah. what my son yeah. is doing. And that's God's plan yeah. in, yeah. in, in the scriptures and in, in Psalm, in Psalm 78 each generation shall so tell the next generation that they might rise up and tell the next generation so mm-hmm. when you get that heritage flowing it's really powerful and yeah.
4: uh, i think the three of us will be over next saturday yep. night if we're doing the, christmas movies christmas movies yes. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. i
5: want to watch yeah. whatever and they did cream. watch
1: mm-hmm. i have quite a collection
5: yeah um so go ahead <laughs> yeah so our organization is obviously 72 years old we've been around a little while we've 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 made a lot of mistakes along the way But one area that has been a core focus to develop a a core competency is how do we help the church and the home work together in forming Brazilian disciples in Jesus Christ. Um, And and along that way, we've also done quite a bit of research to know, although there are a good number of parents who are actively and intentionally discipling their children, There's a there's a pretty good significant number who who are not, but those many of those parents do get their kids to church. And so we've been doing research since 2013. We just are in the process of wrapping up a significant research project with the Barna Group uh, on really answering the question, what is it the church does uh, that produces lasting faith in children? And we found that there's this group of about 40% of students or children in the United States who, in addition to their parents, they have one loving, caring, at least one loving, caring adult at church who also loves and cares for them. Now, 60% do not, but 40% do. And of the 40%, who, who do have that other loving, caring adult at church, I mean, it's not even close. Every other cross tabulation data point, like reads the Bible, has a friend at church, feels a sense of belonging, has surrendered their lives to Jesus. And so our question question to you is, how, how do you guys in your ministry, wh- what would you say to the church? How do we get more loving, caring adults in the church community, looking out for these other kids who's, whose parents may or may not be stepping up but how can we really maximize our experience at church to get more kids in relationship with a mentoring, caring adult?
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's got to come from the leadership of the church. Okay. They have to decide up front that children are that important and they got to put dollars there in staff and then they've got to spend time with you guys and they've got to, they've got to see the results of your studies. And so I think everything rises and falls on leadership. Right. And so, um, you know, we always sought to have our kids that we left one church because the children and youth ministry was not really what we knew needed. It needed to be. And it wasn't
3: about making disciples. It wasn't about making yeah.
1: disciples. It wasn't even about, you know, it's, I mean, you know, so I, I always think you got to start with the 40%. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Jesus said to the multitudes, if you want to come after me, take up your cross and yourself, follow me. So he wanted the whole multitude to come. Mm. So I think you, you want to reach out to the multitudes, but then you have to start with the ones, the 40%. of them. as far as reaching out, um, yeah, I think that's, that's really up to the church. They have to have, you know, however, they're going to do it. They've got to have a wanna. they've got to have some tool that they then really talk about and really, uh, you know, that gets back to pastoring. I am a pastor, right. Yeah. It's yeah. not just like preaching the sermon and walking out the door, right? You got to find out who's out there and how they're doing and how you can help them, how you can serve them. But the church coming alongside the family is the way to go. It's just in the eighties, it got in a little bit in the nineties, it was more like, Oh, if I just bring my kid to church and dump them off at church, they're going to make a disciple out of them. Right. And you guys know, we kind of figured out that isn't going to work. It has to happen in the home. And our, our youngest son, Matthew, he was a youth pastor, a really good one for a long time. And he, he, He's super passionate, like John Mark, completely different personality, but it broke his heart when he would see a hurting kid and realize he couldn't fix the problem Mm -hmm. because it was the father and he could help and he could come alongside and he could cry with him and he could pray over him. But the problem was in the home. And so I feel like it's a both and. So it's like the, the home is the world in miniature, but when the church comes alongside and you have that partnership that's the way God intended it and that's what Jesus meant when he said who are my brother sister mothers anyone who does the will of God he wasn't he wasn't dissing the nuclear family he was just saying that's what the family of God is for is to come alongside yeah, so. that's good
3: because we do raise our children in community right mm-hmm. and how much stronger it will be if it's in the church community mm-hmm. and when we have community groups that don't exclude the children It's very convenient to get a babysitter. Yeah. But it's so much healthier if if a community group is meeting together regularly for a couple of years and the adults are getting to know the children, and -hmm. the children are getting to know the adults. Absolutely that is just healthy and safe kind of environment where we do actually, and then if we kind of gain some of the same terminology, so we are understanding and supporting each other in the discipling of our children, that could be really healthy, especially to kind of bring parents along who don't have a lot of strength in these areas yet, you know, Mm. but they've got mentors within their own community group.
5: Can we just make this really explicitly clear? Are are you saying it's okay to form these community groups where they're intergenerational, where you have the children who are getting to know the other parents and you're really forming a a web of, relationships around that child. Is that what you guys are saying?
3: I'm saying that's the healthiest way to raise our children in the community of Jesus followers. Now, maybe the kids when they're young are not right in the middle of the living room while some sort of a study is going on. Maybe they're shuffled off someplace and they have a teenager kind of entertaining them a little bit. But they're eating a meal together Mm. and they are running around together and something Mm -hmm. we talked earlier about the country of Albania that we're all kind of loved. Well, I was teaching a Bible study to moms. There were about, I don't know, 18 moms and I don't know how many kids. They were just (sighs) hanging from the rafters in a little
1: apartment. (laughs) One one gal was nursing her kids. Run up.
3: It was crazy and chaotic. But what impressed me so much about the church in Albania is they really parent together. Mm. They really actually parent each other's children. They're watching, they know what the mom wants. And so they're watching over each other's children to get each other's children together because the Albanian Christians really live in close community. And yeah. we are largely missing that in America, that the younger generation is catching it and are trying to put an emphasis there. And I just applaud that. I, I wish we'd had more of that when our children were young.
2: The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient child disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode. And check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from the conversation as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by me, Marlon Washington, and hosted by Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from the album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.